This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yes, Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian Kilmeade. I'm so excited to be doing this, be here with you today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. So just so you know, later this hour, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us. We're going to talk about uh, what the heck is going on in Texas. And we're going to also talk about a poll that I want to share with you now. Oh, and just so you know, I'm just telling you now, my I don't know, if you're on the East Coast, allergies have been awful, just terrible. And I spent all day yesterday, vast majority of the day, just sneezing and coughing and just miserable from my allergies. And I woke up this morning, I took up, you know, took my, my night quill because that just knocks you out, right? So I could get some sleep, did all that. I'm taking my, my allergy pills, taking my, you know, my, my nasal spray and my mucinex and everything. I'm all loaded up. And I slept last night, which was great. But I'm sneezing again this morning, so which usually doesn't happen. I know the cycle, but they're miserable. Allergies are miserable on the East Coast. So um, I know there are a lot of other people suffering with me, including producer Allison, who's also sniffling and coughing and everything else. So if I happen to sneeze during the show, I apologize because, first of all, it won't just be one. It'll be like three sneezes, and then I'm going to be all sniffly. So um, just apologizing to you in advance, and I know there are quite a few people who can relate to that. So um, it's, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I'm usually not this bad. So, okay, uh, Quinnipiac University, which I think they, I think the only major you can get there is being a pollster, majoring in polls. They do some good polls. So they um, asked people uh, about the candidates they want to see running for elected office because we have the midterms coming up next year. And they found when they asked Republican voters who they would like to see running as an elected for an elected office, 85 percent of registered Republicans said that they want to they, they agree with Trump. They would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that mostly agree with Donald Trump. Now, this is important because you're seeing this divide in the Republican Party more. It's becoming more and more stark. It's becoming more and more defined. And you're seeing people like, you know, I, I think um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I know she's she's out there. But I look at Marjorie Taylor Greene as she just employs the tactics of the left. That's what she does. They are in your face. They've got AOC in the squad who are in your face, but they get what they want. And they're appeased and they break all the rules and are unconventional and they're rude and they're you fill in the blanks, but their tactics work. And Marjorie Taylor Greene trolls people. She's hilarious sometimes. She really, sometimes I look at her and I just laugh. I'm like, okay, that's good. Um, But she is a huge Trump supporter. Look at Liz Cheney, not a Trump supporter at all and will not be quiet about it. And, and instead of doing what the Democrats do, which is have their disagreements in behind closed doors, Republicans, some of them are airing this in public like Liz Cheney. And Liz Cheney needs to ha- they need to have the fight behind closed doors. It's like your family. I can I can make fun of my brother. 
I can beat at my brother, but if you go after my brother, I'm coming after you. And that's the way the Republicans should be handling this, and they're not, but they, they should be. So I'm going to go through this poll, but I want to I hear from you. When, when we look at the Republican Party, do you want to see them going more in the direction of the Trump brand of Republicanism, or do you want to see them go back to being the GOP? You know, I, that night when I say the GOP, it's like the grand old party, like the the way Republicans were before Trump, the Paul Ryan's of the party. You know, Paul Ryan came out and spoke out against Trump. Um, he was at a uh, Ronald uh, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California last week, and he made a speech there, and he said. Once again, we conservatives find ourselves at a crossroads, and here's one reality we have to face. If the conservative cause depends on the populist appeal of one personality or on second-rate imitations, then we're not going anywhere. And I kind of disagree with them. Something like 75 million people voted for Donald Trump, and they were passionate about it. There were parades. There were boat parades in Florida this past weekend. And I saw a video and you don't see the guy behind the camera and he's, he's, you know, showing all the Trump flags and all the boats and, you know, all the people and people on the, on the bridges cheering him on. These are all Trump supporters. These are Trump 2024 flags and everything. And then he turns it around and everybody on the boat, as he likes to say, he, and he goes, Trump flags, boats, people cheering us on. And he turns it around and he goes, and people of color, right? And the whole boat was African-Americans. And uh, they're all cheering and they're like, yeah, yeah, people of color. And it's, I don't think the movement has died down as much as they try to tar all Trump supporters as being racists and wanting to destroy the government. They're trying to um, politicize the January 6th, what happened on January 6th at the Capitol, and they're going to try to keep that alive as long as they possibly can. I think the majority of those people still support Trump and they want to see someone in his mold run for office. So 85% of Republicans say they want to see that. Overall, 53% of Americans say they would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that mostly disagree with Trump. Now that's overall. So that's taking Democrats, independents, everybody into account. But Republicans overall want to see someone in the vein of Trump. When they were asked if they would like to see Trump run for president in 2024, 66% of registered Republicans say they would want to see President Trump run in 2024. And the exact same number, 66% of all Americans, though, say that they don't want to see him run. That, to me, is interesting because that takes into account Democrats. So how about you? 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669 is the number. Do you want to see Trump run for office in 2024? Do you want to see him run for president again? And when it comes to the midterms, would you prefer candidates who are in the Trump vein of Republicanism, or would you prefer to see candidates that are more along the lines of the traditional Republican Party, what you've, you've known forever? Now, I will tell you for me personally, I, I think you need the Trump brand of Republicanism. I do. Because because the Democrats are are waging a a war. They really are. Democrats are fighting to win. And Donald Trump fought to win. And he came loaded for bear. And people didn't like his personality. Really? You don't like his personality? How are you liking the gas prices right now? How how do you like no longer being um, energy independent? 
How, how about how about uh, the inflation? You liking the inflation? Everything costing more? How's that working for you? How about peace in the Middle East? How's that? You liking that? I don't care about his personality. 866-408-7669. As far as running in 2024, I initially thought like I want him to run in 2024. Uh, but I think, I don't think it's going to happen. I think President Trump can be far more effective by being a kingmaker I really do. I think, and I think he would relish that role of being in the background and, and, you know, I guess endorsing candidates, doing rallies for candidates and picking and choosing and, and who he, you know, who he gets to, to make a king. I, I think that the kingmaker role for President Trump is perfect. Although I would not be unhappy if he ran in 2024. Uh, but I do think that the left is going to do everything they possibly can to destroy him and anyone you know who votes for him, his followers. But I think if you start to see a lot more candidates in the Trump vein, Democrats can't can't you know be like whack a mole. They can't hit them all. They they just can't. Let's quickly uh, start out here with Joe in Arizona. Joe, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing just great. So what do you, what do you, do you want to see more candidates run in the Trump vein? And would you want Trump to run in 2024? Yes. On both accounts. I, you know, I, as you were just saying, I think the left will try to destroy anybody that is in agreement with Trump or, or try to destroy Trump. I think that's passed. I think that that has passed because if you look and see what um, Joe Biden has done, in his past, and they were all for it. I think everybody's going to see through their antics now. That's interesting, although I will say people, the Democrats, uh, my friends who um, suffered from Trump derangement syndrome, it's still going strong, and they do not see anything negative that Joe Biden's doing. They see no problems. They don't see the double standard. They don't see the hypocrisy. It's really amazing. And I think they're still going to come after uh, Trump supporters. Look at what they're trying to do with this January 6th commission. And Republicans, you know, stomped that out, thankfully. Uh, they're, you know, they're trying to equate this to 9-11, which is just insulting, where 3,000 people died. And, and Congress, the Democrats are trying to conflate this into, the, you know, this. Yeah, what happened on January 6th was wrong, but 3,000 people didn't die. And you didn't have body parts being found for, for weeks and months afterwards. And, and to compare to that, I think, is just an insult to, to this country. And what happened on uh, 9-11. But I think they're going to continue to go for it. I really do. I really, really do. All right. More of your comments coming up. 866-408-7669. of Republicans say they would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that mostly agree with President Trump. And uh, overall, Republicans, 66% say they would like to see Trump run for president in 2024. I'll find out what you think coming up next on the Brian Kilmeade show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, taking your calls, 866-408-7669. Talking about the return of President Trump uh, with 66% of registered Republicans saying they want to see him run in uh, 2024. And it's interesting because Politico has a piece out this morning saying that Democrats are urging uh, those running in 2022, running in the midterms to not focus on Trump. They say he's in the rear view mirror. Don't focus on him because they know they lost a lot of seats when they decided to impeach the president. They lost a lot of seats. Uh, the people who voted to impeach him, those Democrats went bye-bye. And they were replaced with Republicans who were very much in the vein of Donald Trump. And so they don't want to see that again, especially look at what happened with the January 6th commission. Republicans stood strong and said, no, we're not doing this because they knew that their constituents didn't want to see that happen. And they didn't trust the, uh, the Democrats. Thank goodness they finally didn't. So um, do you want to see, as majority 85 percent of Republicans say, they want to see candidates run for elected office that mostly agree with Donald Trump and his policies? And you have uh, a majority of registered Republicans saying they would actually like to see uh, see um, Donald Trump run in 2024. And so I want to know what you think. Let's go to New York. Phil, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Hi. Glad to take you. Glad to talk to you. Uh, anyway, Thank go you. ahead. Okay. I, I mentioned that to your gentleman there that, uh, uh, I am a Trump. Well, I, when I say I'm a Trumper, I like his agendas. I don't like how he does things. However, I like his agendas, and I voted for him twice. I voted for him. I vote for him again. However, I think that we should get a Republican, male or female, that's uh, a little kinder and gentler, but with the same agendas. As Trump had, because I I agree with him 100 percent on many of this. He's done so many good things. But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we lost Georgia because he went down there uh, for the senators and um, 
talked about the the vote in November. The vote in November was done. Get down there and say, listen, we need to keep our two senators and keep the Senate. So I, I just think uh, we need somebody with Trump's agenda to um, – you know, just you want a just, kindler, gentler, more sugary version of Trump, and I get it. I totally understand that, Phil, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think what happened in Georgia wasn't just Trump, although I do do see exactly what you're saying, um, and I'm not excusing at all what he said when he was down there, but I do think you also had uh, Sidney Powell saying, you know, screaming, don't, telling people not to vote, right? Went around telling people don't vote because it, because the election's rigged. Why would you tell people not to vote? There were people who chose not to vote because of that. So I, I think what happened in Georgia was a many faceted issue. There were a lot of moving parts to it where a lot of people were wrong uh, in that. And as far as um, President Trump being kinder and gentler, I don't know. Um, I, that's just his personality, and I'm kind of okay. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with his personality. Maybe because I grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, Donald Trump's always been a facet of my life. I don't care how you say it. I'd rather have someone who's honest. Barack Obama spoke very pretty words, was very kind and very gentle, and everybody loved him, and look what he did. So I judge someone by their by what their actions, not what they tell me they're going to do, but what they actually do. Uh, let's head out to Las Vegas. Al on KDWN. Al, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call, Mary. Now, I'm over here in Las Vegas, and I have a – I want to start out this way. I'm Latino. We're very diverse over here. We're about to turn this state red. Um, uh, the Latino vote, almost – we were so close that we could – we know how to get it over. But I want to – you were talking about being from New Jersey and talking about Trump. And I have an angle. I have a point of view on New Yorkers that maybe they don't see themselves, and I'm going to share it with the whole country. Is New Yorkers, they love to cut to the chase, and they're doers. They don't like to waste time, and that's what Donald Trump represents. You know, he's a doer of the word, not a not a talker, and his policies are for work, I mean, for family, jobs, and security, and that's not that's what everybody and and it crosses all lines, uh, whether you're black, Latino, Caucasian. The Latino vote is going to be 40 million votes in 2024, and support in the Latino community is growing. A larger percentage of the Latinos vote. I think we should shoot for 45 to 55 percent. Latinos are going to turn Nevada red. That's what I wanted to say. You know, that's interesting. And I find that so interesting because I think that you saw that. I think you're absolutely right. You saw that with Donald Trump. You saw him turn out more minority voters because I think minority voters are starting to wake up to the fact that the Democrat Party just counts on them. And just- out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Just figures, they take them for granted and use them. And so many of them I, I saw, I forget who we interviewed. I remember it was Kimberly Clasick who was running in Baltimore 
who said they show up every four years and they come into our impoverished neighborhoods and they promise us the world and then they disappear for four years when they come back and they do the same thing over and over again. But Donald Trump gave us jobs. Donald Trump and and increase in wages for the first time in 50 years, some some something like 50 years, you saw an increase in middle class wages under Donald Trump. Joe Biden is bringing in a whole bunch of illegals. He's bringing all these people in and and, and they're they're increasing and Democrats and Republicans do this. You know, the number of people who can come in here and work on these visas and take jobs away from college educated Americans. And that's both sides that are doing that. All of that has to stop. Coming up, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us. We're going to jump into this with him and also what's happening in Texas and the Democrats walking out because they didn't want to vote. That's all coming up right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today. Joining us now, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He's the chair of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at Media Research Center, former congressman in Florida's 22nd Congressional District, and the author of the books, Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, and We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Alan West. Wow, I'm exhausted reading all those things that you do. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, sir. It's my pleasure. Good to be with you on this first day of June, Mary. Can you? I can't believe it's June already. Ugh. They say when you get older, you know, time flies, and boy, I must be ancient because wow. Um, we were just talking, having a conversation here about a Quinnipiac poll that I just wanted to briefly get your opinion on. And they found that more uh, 85% of registered Republicans say they would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that mostly agree with Donald Trump. 85% of registered Republicans. That, to me, is a really big number. Are we going to start to see that schism in the Republican Party that's kind of been simmering there for a while? Do we see that suss itself out with that faction of the Republican Party winning? Well, I think what that poll really reflects are the policies of constitutional conservatism. When you look at what President Trump was able to do for our economy, for our energy security, for our foreign policy and national security, that's what people want to uh, see as the uh, the way forward for the Republican Party, especially when you juxtapose it against the failures in the very first, uh, what, five months of the Biden administration. So I think that it would behoove the Republicans to understand that the policies of President Trump was very successful. I don't think this poll is talking about tweets or talking about personality. It's talking about those things that we could concrete uh, see and feel. And remember that President Trump had the most minority electoral support for any Republican president or nominee for president 
in 60 years. That tells you something. It's interesting. We just had a caller who said that, who said the Hispanic vote is going to be even bigger uh, for if, if you get a Republican in the vein of Donald Trump or if Donald Trump runs in 2024, because the majority in this poll, this Quinnipiac poll also showed that the majority of registered Republicans want Trump to run in 2024. I, I don't know if that happens. And I think there's time between now and then to, to figure that out. But uh, he said, yes, and my friends, more and more, more and more um, Hispanics are waking up to what's happening in this country and they're starting to see what how the Democrats are using them. And uh, so you're going to see an even greater percentage of Hispanic vote in this country. And I was just saying, um, I don't know if you saw the video. They had another Trump parade in Florida. There was mm-hmm. another one. Yeah. And this video was was very smartly done. You don't see you see you know this person uh, who's who's showing you. You don't see the, who's who has the camera, but Trump flags and all these boats and people waving on on the bridges. And he turns around and and everybody on the boat is black. He goes and people of color. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing you have to look at with the black and Hispanic communities. You have the lowest unemployment unemployment uh, rates uh, like in forever in history, the support to historical black colleges and universities, criminal justice reform, the uh, economic opportunity zones, which we really need in our inner city and our urban areas, and the uh, education scholarships. Who can ever forget President Trump awarding that education scholarship on the spot to the young girl, nine years of age, with her single black mother there from Philadelphia doing a State of the Union address while the Congressional Black Caucus members sat there scouring. So scowling. So, I mean, this is what we saw from President Trump. Of course, the media just wants to talk about orange man bad. But the American people, they saw the results of those policies to include that they were not sitting in long gas lines under President Trump either. Yeah, well, I'm I'm waiting for the odd even days to come back, you know, and then we'll be just be full blown Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. at that point, and can't wait for that. Let's talk about what's happening in your state, though. So the mm-hmm. Democrats um, did not want to have to vote on these new voting laws. They want they didn't want to have to you know vote yay or nay on these new voting laws that um, the Republicans are trying to put forward in. Uh, Texas. So the Democrats vowed to fight against this and they just walked out. The, the, the memo came down to take your key and leave the chamber. Do not go to the gallery, leave the building. So they left. Why weren't yeah. they pulled back? Doesn't doesn't the sergeant at arms have the ability to round them up and make them vote and do well, their job? Well, if I if I recall right, this happened uh, back when Governor Perry was there, and he did use uh, right. Texas DPS to get them to to come back. But what a complete abdication of their duty and responsibility as uh, representatives of the people. And furthermore, what a very childish thing to do is if uh, I don't get my way, I'm going to walk out. Now let's just say that this was uh, Republicans that did that when. H.R. 1, which is the nationalization of uh, elections under federal government control, when that came up, if Republicans had walked out of the House of Representatives, what would they have been called? So the hypocrisy is laughable. But I also have to be somewhat upset with the Republican legislators there in our Texas State House and Texas State Senate. This should not have come down to the last minute. This was a number one priority of the Republican Party of Texas, a priority for the governor. This should have been resolved back in February. We only have a 140-day legislative session every other year, and you know the last day of our session by Texas uh, Constitution is 31 May, and so the Democrats played this very smartly, and uh, now we have to look for a, a special session to be called for us to take care of election integrity.
Yeah, Democrats are very smart, and, and I really wish Republicans would learn a little bit more. I don't understand how they keep, they are always reactive instead of proactive, and that that's mm-hmm. something that I it, it's so maddening and so frustrating because it's so easy to see. You know, Lucy's going to pull the football away again. Why are you trying to kick it, Charlie Brown? And they continue to do so. I, I just want to play something for you here. This is Hakeem Jeffries yesterday on CNN and what he he's slamming the Texas bill. Well, the Texas law is shameful, uh, and Republicans clearly in Texas and throughout the country want to make it harder to vote and easier to steal an election. That's the only way that I can interpret uh, the voter suppression epidemic. What's so wrong with the Texas bill? There is nothing wrong with the Texas bill. The only thing wrong with the Texas bill for ignorant progressive socialists like Mr. Hakeem is that it will not allow the Democrats to codify uh, into law the unconstitutional actions that they have been doing. You know, we don't need to have uh, drive-by voting uh, in Texas, curbside voting, especially when you establish it in Democrat-only precincts. That was a violation of Texas election law. This whole thing about 24-hour voting is what they want. Look, we want to have voter ID. We want to have uh, voter registration roll review. We want to be able to make sure that felons aren't voting, illegals aren't voting. We want to make it easier to vote but harder to cheat. And we don't want to see Mark Zuckerberg once again write a check to the Harris County, largest county in the state of Texas, third largest in the country, to the Harris County Elections Office for $11 million when their budget is only $4 million. Basically, you know, Mark Zuckerberg out of California bought the Harris County Elections Office. We don't want that type of intrusion. But that's what fascists want. That's what the progressive socialist left wants. And uh, Mr. Jeffries needs to understand, if he wants to talk about voter suppression, look at the history of the Democrat Party. They started the Ku Klux Klan to suppress the vote of black people. They had poll tests, poll tests, uh, literacy tests, poll taxes, and also Jim Crow came from the Democrat Party. So they're the last ones that should be talking about uh, election or voter suppression. No, absolutely, but they'll t- they'll sit there and tell you, oh yeah, but the the party's changed. I'm like, okay, yeah, um, right. <laughs> how do you feel about Governor Abbott saying that he's going to uh, veto Article 10 of the budget that was passed by the legislature and that funds the legislative branch, so no pay for those who refuse to to do their responsibilities, who walk out on a vote? Doesn't that harm though? The Democrats are saying that that harms though, you know, the uh, other people that harms you know the janitors and other people who also work though in the ledge for the legislature well maybe the uh, democrats should have thought about that before they did their little childish and uh, immature act of walking out instead of staying there voting and uh, let their vote be cast because they knew exactly what they were doing this was well planned we knew that their caucus was meeting behind closed doors over this weekend developing this scheme so uh you know good for the governor to try to use this as a leverage point but once again mary you just said the, the most important thing republicans are always reactive we're never proactive. We never see the battlefield. We never develop our strategies, and we never understand what the uh, the other side, the left, is going to do, so we can, can you know prevent them from attaining their goals and objectives. So this is a reactive thing again from Governor Abbott when this election integrity uh, law should have been passed back in, and, and signed back in February. Good look, Georgia did it in 30 days. Florida has taken care of theirs, and now here we are in Texas, the largest Republican state in the United States of America, and we're stumbling across the finish line. 
Yeah, it, it's it's it is really sad. I said I want to get I want to make up those like little bracelets, you know, those little rubber bracelets. And I just want to put on it WWDD. What would Democrats do and give it to every Republican mm-hmm. politician? And when they wake up in the morning, look at your bracelet and say, hmm, what would Democrats do when it comes to whatever it is you happen to be doing throughout your day? Because they have to learn to think like the Democrats who are fighting a war and Republicans yeah. are not. And they've got to well, learn. That goes back to that goes back to Sun Tzu. I mean, I would tell yes. people that they need to read the Art of War because that's yes. what Sun Tzu says. You cannot develop a strategy, a plan, or any type of goals until you understand your opponent's strategy, plans, and yeah. goals. And that's why he said, if you know your enemy and you know yourself and you know the atmosphere and the environment and all your battles, you'll be successful. We continue to not understand the progressive socialist left. So everyone out there on our side of the aisle needs to be reading Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. That's their playbook. Yes. So, so true and so smart. Uh, follow Alan West at Alan West on Twitter. Uh, and I, just one quick thing I have to tell you because we're up against the clock. I just want to tell you I was at a dinner party on Saturday. All Trump supporters, we've been getting together, you know, throughout, you know, the, before a lead up to the election and everything. A little private group in town. And you were the topic of conversation. You are very well liked. <sighs> Well, so, thank you so much, Mary I cannot Kim, wait to regards. tell them. I can't wait to tell them all I got to talk to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you are a very popular man with with uh, those on the right. So, I thought you would like to hear that. And thank you so much for joining us. God bless. Thank you. God bless you as well, and have a wonderful week. All right, your call's coming up, 866-408-7669. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Uh, we were just speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and earlier this hour we were talking about a Quinnipiac poll that found that more than 8 in 10 Republicans, 85%, said that they would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that mostly agree with Donald Trump. And you just heard us talking uh, with uh, Alan West and, and talking about how Republicans are always reactive. They're never proactive. And I think that's something that was so different with Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a master at at negotiation and seeing where your opponent was going and anticipating what they're going to do. And I think that's what made him so successful. And hopefully that's something that he has taught the Republicans and how to fight. And that's why you you see 85% of Republicans saying they would prefer to see candidates running for elected office that are like Trump. And you you had um, 66% saying that um, they would like to see Trump run for president in 2024. 66% of registered Republicans saying that. So what about you? 866-408-7669. Jerry in Jacksonville, Florida, listening on WOKV. Jerry, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thanks for taking my call. I used to be a Democrat. I'm an independent now. And the reason why is because I hate both parties. And let me tell you why I hate both parties. They both spend out of control. But to Mm -hmm. sit here and to say that inflation is caused by Joe Biden, that's just not true. And as much as I don't like him, um, 
I, I cannot sit here and, and allow you to do that. Inflation has been caused by both parties. Both parties have gotten in office and spent like drunken socialists. And all they're doing is putting on the backs of my children. Okay? We need to stop what's going on in this country. We need infrastructure in this country. You're complaining about $1.7 trillion. Our civil engineers say it's going to take $5.7 for the next 10 years. Trillion dollars just to maintain it. Okay, you guys spent and ran up our deficits to trillion-dollar deficits for the last four years. You guys aren't conservatives. All you're complaining about right now is Mr. Potato Head and transgenders. What do you guys stand for? Democrats, same thing. They're, we're getting tired of it. We're getting tired of it. Who's we? Wait, who's we when you say we're getting tired of it? Who's we? Real Americans who understand that both of these parties are the problem. You're the problem. Democrats are the problem. You both are the problem. Well, I'm not a registered Republican, so I'm not quite sure who you are. I've never been registered with a party because I voted for Democrats and Republicans. I even voted for the Green Party, some a Green candidate once. So, uh, so I'm not quite sure who you are. But I agree, both parties do spend too much. Can't could not disagree. I could not agree with you more. They absolutely both do spend too much. Um, the difference is though is I think under under Trump, you saw a little bit more. And listen, there are things they spent on during the Trump administration, absolutely, that I totally disagree with. But remember, it's Congress that holds the purse strings. It's not the president. It's Congress. And uh, you've got you've got pushing more and more and more trillions and trillions of dollars for things that we don't need to spend for. Right now, the economy was much better during the first quarter of of the so far of this year than was anticipated. So the economy is much stronger than was anticipated. If the economy is much stronger and you have so many help wanted signs up, let's stop extending unemployment. There's one party that wanted to, one party that didn't want to. Let's stop extending unemployment and paying people to sit at home. All right. Uh, Let's we don't maybe need don't need to pump as much money into the economy. If it's strong, let the economy go instead of artificially pumping more money in into it. Uh, you have Republicans who say, let's take the unspent covid money that hasn't been spent yet. And let's use that to fund some of this instead of just writing another check for trillions of dollars. And Democrats don't want to do that. So, yeah, I think you can look at both sides and blame them for overspending. Absolutely. But right now what I'm looking at, I see one party that's saying, let's do this, let's do this, but let's not spend more money that we don't have. And another party that's saying, no, we want trillions and trillions instead of billions. We want trillions. And, and I think that when you put, when you see inflation creeping up as we're seeing inflation creep up and you want to put more, that's put more money out there. That's throwing, that's throwing gasoline on the fire. Look at Jimmy Carter. Look at what he did. That's exactly what we're we're on our way to doing now. And you're going to see it be far worse than it already is. So, you know, I agree. Stop spending. I've, I've said it over and over again. I want them to have to live within their means and I want them to stop spending and, and start saving because it's my money. If I have to do it at home, why don't they have to do it as well? Let's uh, quickly go to Pam listening uh, on kick in Springfield, Missouri. Pam, one minute. Hi. Hi, Mary. Hey, I was a hardcore Trump supporter. Um, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Helped, did everything I could in my local community, online, everything, money, you name it, small business owner here. But I will say, when he got online and 
called Vice President Pence a mm-hmm. coward. I was absolutely appalled. Absolutely. The one person that stood by him was Mike yep. Pence. And I will never vote for Donald Trump again because of that. I, listen, Kim, Pam, Pam, we're up against the clock. You make an excellent point. I agree with you. I, I think when, when he did that, I was appalled as well. I was I was disheartened by the whole thing. I was really sad to see it. But my feeling is if they work it out and they're okay with it, then I'm, I'm good with it. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Brian, as uh, Frank just told you right there. Let's talk a little COVID, shall we? Because it's so interesting that now that President Trump is no longer president, suddenly we can talk about the possibility that the virus originated in the Wuhan lab and maybe got out of the lab. Because remember, we couldn't say that when President, because President Trump floated that. So President Trump, of course, everything he does, orange man bad. And so we could never say that. Well, Jonathan Carl from ABC was on the old television and said something that I think a lot of us have been thinking for quite some time. And yes, I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that, that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. And there was, because Trump was saying so much else that was just out of control and because he was, uh, you know, making a, a, a frankly racist appeal talking about Kung flu and, and the China virus, his notion that, that, that put forward that this may have or he said flatly that this, this came from that lab, was widely dismissed. But actually, there's some real reason. We don't know, by the way. We still don't know. We absolutely don't know. Uh, but now serious people are saying it needs a serious inquiry. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's because of Trump. And the reason we ignored it was because Trump and because of the way Trump said things. And, and that's why we ignored it. And that's why we mocked him. And that's why we just screamed, racism. Uh, because, you know, Trump. Yeah, no, you did it because... You don't you didn't like President Trump. You still don't like President Trump and anything that President Trump said, you all raced to just um, to just erase whatever it was that he said to just to make it unsayable in public because everything he said is racist because you can't say that it was the Chinese virus. You can call it the Spanish flu, but and you can call it the British variant. You can call it the uh, I think it was another one coming out of Brazil, the Brazilian variant. But you can't say that it was the Chinese virus. No, you can't say that. Uh, so Jonathan Carl are tap dancing around because now the media is suddenly exploring the possible origins of COVID. So as we go through this, I want to ask you, 866-408-7669, as things open up, a couple of things, a couple of things I want to discuss here with you. Did, did, are you in a state where you, you know, now get to be mask free? Now, obviously, if you're like in Florida, you've been mask free for a while. But if you live in another state, the odds are pretty good that, that things are starting to open up now uh, and you're starting to be able to free the face. And I am in New Jersey and on Friday possibly one of the worst governors in America, uh, Governor Phil Murphy did do something and, and he 
we can now free the face and you can go mask free in an establishment if you have been vaccinated. They urge you to wear a mask if you have not been vaccinated. And for and, and it's up to the individual establishment if they want to, you know, abide by those rules or if they don't and they can require everybody to wear a mask or whatever it happens to be. So it was great. I went to the grocery store and my husband and I are getting out of the car. We had to run in and grab something. We're getting out of the car. He goes, oh, I forgot a mask because I, I know I'm the one. I always leave my mask in the car. Oh, I was always that person having to go back and get a mask. And I said, no, you don't need one. He's like, really? I said, yes. As of yesterday, Governor Murphy, the king, it de- decreed that we can go maskless. He's like, oh, because he, you know, if you're vaccinated, you can go in maskless. And, and I also feel that if you've had COVID, you should be allowed to go in maskless as well. But that's very hard to prove because people who have had COVID have natural immunity, as we've known for a while. And, and so you should be allowed to do that, too. So we go in and we don't have masks on. And I was still surprised at the number of people who still had masks on. I'm like, that's cool. Do you, you do you. I have no problem with that. But it was great. I was like, this is fantastic. No masks. It's like a whole new world. Yet some places are going to require you to prove that you had the vaccine. And I'm curious how you feel about that. I don't like that. I don't, um, share my, my health status with people. I don't talk about, you know, other tests. I don't, I don't post on, you know, my latest colonoscopy results on, on, on Facebook or, or Twitter or anything else. But everybody's posting their vaccine stats. I don't play that game. And also employers requiring it. I'm curious how you feel about all of this, about having to show your papers if you want to go to a Knicks game now, you know, or, um, or to a concert or, Prove to your employer that you've been vaccinated in order to go back to work. I mean, I guess, are they going to fire you if you don't? 866-408-7669 is uh, my number. All right. Daytona Beach, Eric on WNDB. Well, you know, listen, you guys are living in the land of the free down there. Hey, Eric, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, Mary. I spent the first 40 years of my life in New Jersey. How you doing? Um <laughs> I was back there. I was back there when we had Jim Florio, and I think Murphy's like way worse than Florio wherever it was. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Well, uh, the, the states become more communist, so that's probably why. And it's the people's fault. Um, I'm in the medical field, and uh, let me tell you. First of all, you ask if I've been vaccinated, you've committed a HIPAA violation. They need to rewrite HIPAA laws. My uh, my employer does not require that I get the vaccine, but they ask that I take wear the mask. I'll wear the mask. I'm not getting the vaccine. But uh, this is the biggest moneymaker in America. Not only did COVID get the Trump out of here with the mail-in ballots, but now it's, it's nothing but money being made, and they don't want this to end. The shortages, uh, I feel sorry for you people up in New Jersey. My friends went home for Thanksgiving. They had to show proof that they didn't have it. They got it there. 10, 10 o'clock curfew, no indoor dining. Only a hundred people allowed in Walmart or Home Depot. They came back. They came back from New Jersey with COVID, the most locked down state there is. But uh, I had COVID. I took a test. I have the antibodies, which, if they want to show the science, antibodies are better than any of these vaccines. All I got was an email. I don't have a certificate that I have antibodies. This is a joke. If it doesn't benefit the left, they're not going to allow anything to change. They're trying to figure a way to pump this for the next, the rest of the year. There's no wood. There's no gas. Uh, 
it, it's just this is the biggest scandal in my lifetime that I can remember. And and I saw the odd and even gas pumps like you saw. I remember that. This is worse than that. We got Jimmy Carter 2.0 right now. Yeah, well, you heard that one. You know, we, we, you hear it, I'm sure, from friends all the time that are on the left or live in more, you know, more locked down states and I guess feel like their governor is keeping me safe. That's the thing in New Jersey you hear from people all the time. He's keeping us safe. I'm like, but look at Florida. Look at Texas. That's irresponsible. But the numbers are better there than they are here, but they don't want to hear it. And they can't process it in their brains. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. Thank you for kicking it off, Eric. And I'm jealous. <laughs> but Eric said there that, you know, they can't ask you. It's a HIPAA violation. Well, apparently HIPAA only applies to um, health providers from sharing your health information, right? It doesn't apply to private employers or businesses asking for proof of something. HIPAA only applies to health providers. And this is according to the EEOC. They say that businesses can require employees to be vaccinated uh, without violating the law. They say, They uh, can also offer incentives to employees to get vaccinated or to provide documentation as long as the incentives are not coercive. They say that the employers must make reasonable accommodations for employees who don't get vaccinated because of a disability, religious belief, or pregnancy. And they also say that other federal, state, and local laws may come into play. They say federal laws don't block businesses from asking customers or employees about their vaccine status. So... There you go. But how do you feel about that? I'm not sure. I I refuse. I will not play this game. You don't want me. You don't want my business. Then I will walk away. I'll go somewhere else. That's fine with me. You know, if you, if you don't want me to play on your playground, okay, your playground, bye-bye. But how long can you pick and choose when businesses have been so negatively affected? Let's stick it down in the south in Orlando, Tim, on WDBO. Hi, Tim. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How you doing? Doing great. Are I you also from Jersey? Hey, how you, you doing, huh? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say thank you, Mary Walters, for being uh, a USA person who actually stands up for our rights. Oh, right well, thank you. Free. I appreciate that. I believe it's a personal choice. I believe people who are demanding that they... They have this certification that they've been inoculated is dividing the USA. It's them saying, you're not good enough to be an American. I think that COVID-19 is biological warfare, to be honest with you. I wonder if we're going to find out to that comment right there. I wonder if we will find out as time goes on eventually, and it's going to be a long way down the road that that's exactly what they were doing in that Wuhan lab, that they were using um, American taxpayer dollars, which we now know do did go to that lab in order to, um, to pay for and to, to fund experiments in the lab was not supposed to be going to gain of function research, but I mean, we're trusting the Chinese to not use American money for gain of function research that they were doing things like that in that lab, that they were doing, uh, looking for biological warfare weapons in that lab, because I trust, I don't trust the Chinese again. They are, they are looking for world domination. 
And the Americans are just sitting here surprised at all of that. So I will not be surprised if we find out that's exactly what was going on in that lab. I don't know it, but the the evidence is expanding. Thank you so much there. I really appreciate you, Tim, and thank you for that kind compliment. Let's go to Dr. Scott Gottlieb here on CBS. He's a former FDA administrator talking about learning more and more and more about what's going on in that lab. Well, look, I think the challenge is that the side of the ledger that suggests that this could have come out of a lab has continued to expand. And the side of the ledger that suggests that this could have come from a zoonotic source, come out of nature, really hasn't budged. And if anything, you can argue that that side of the ledger has contracted because we've done an exhaustive search for the so-called intermediate host, the animal that could have been a host to this virus before it spread to humans. We have not found such an animal. We've also fully disproven the the market, the food market that was initially implicated in the original outbreak as the source of the outbreak. And so that side of the ledger probably has shrunken. And China could uh, provide evidence that would be exculpatory here. So, yeah, we're seeing more and more because now we can talk about it. Why didn't we talk about this before? Because this was something that was floated by President Trump. And so President Trump was wrong because President Trump was a moron and President Trump, you know, had to be discredited and anything that came out of his mouth had to be scoffed at and discredited and shot down. And that's exactly what the media did. Now, all of a sudden, because Trump is gone, orange man, bad gone, we're starting to look at this now and saying, ah, huh, maybe that's maybe he was right. And more of your calls coming up at 866-408-7669. Also coming up. Something that the sainted Dr. Fauci said back in 2012 that's raising some eyebrows. All coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. For decades, NIH has supported basic influenza research included on transmissibility, host adaptation, and virulence. The goal is to anticipate what the virus is continually trying to do on its own in the wild and to prepare for it. Such goals were pursued by the NIH-funded scientists Kawaioka and Fouché and could have important positive implications for pandemic influenza prediction, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment. That, the, that was the sainted Dr. Fauci in 2012 talking about, as you heard there, the NIH and the funding of of looking for different variants of a flu and how it can mutate. And you often hear about the jump from, uh, you know, from animals to humans. And he uh, talked about, let's, let's just quickly go to cut five here, Eric. This is him talking about the avian influenza, your bird flu. Remember every now and then the bird flu comes around. I'm like, how does it jump from, from birds to humans? Apparently it does. Kawaioka and Fouché constructed variants of H5N1 avian influenza in order to identify which genetic mutations might alter the transmissibility of the virus? Okay. 
All right. So that's good if we know, you know, don't be playing with the chickens, apparently. Uh, <laughs> you won't get bird flu. I don't, do you remember Do you remember a while ago? And I Maybe I'm hallucinating. But they were telling you you shouldn't kiss your chickens if you have chickens. Because I guess some people, you know, look at the chickens as kind of like pets because they lay eggs and they're not using them for, for meat. You know, they're not going to be served as wings on, you know, for, for the a game. They, so they're kind of friendly with them and, you know, the kids pat the chickens and the guests kiss the chickens. And they were like, no, you can't kiss your chickens because of bird flu. Do, am I wrong in remembering that? I'm sure everyone's laughing at me right now, but I swear I remember some kind of edict coming out telling you not to kiss your chickens. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm hallucinating. Um, but this is important. This is in 2012 as well. This is Dr. Anthony Fauci, again, in the same testimony. And listen what he talks about here. He calls D-U-R-C, Dual Use Research of Concern. Since transmissibility of a virulence virus was increased, this constitutes Dual Use Research of Concern, or DERC. If a particular research experiment is identified as DERC, that designation does not necessarily mean that such research should not be published, nor should it should even be prohibited in the first place. However, it does call for us, as you mentioned, to balance carefully the benefit of the research to the public health, the biosafety and biosecurity conditions under which the research is conducted, and the potential risk that the knowledge gained from such research might fall into the hands of those with ill intent. Yeah. So this this idea of, you know, mutating these viruses to see if you could use them for other things I and, and how they could possibly mutate in humans. And you there's a line that I think you don't want crossed. And uh, we keep hearing that uh, preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human to human transmission of COVID. And that was in January of last year from the World Health Organization. Remember that? No, passing from human to human doesn't happen. No. Well, yeah, then we find out that obviously it does happen. And the Fauci, the Fauci, listen to me. Uh, I don't know if we have this, but in that same testimony in 2012, according to the Weekend Australian, he talked about gain-of-function research. That research makes viruses more infectious or deadly, right, to see how it can mutate. It can become more infectious and can, can spread to more people and how it can be, become more deadly as it goes on. And they unearthed a paper that he wrote for the American Society for Microbiology in October of 2012. And in that paper, he argued for support of gain-of-function research. Despite, he says, despite the risk being involved, he called gain-of-function experiments, quote, important work in his 2012 writing. So, Dr. Fauci, we're going to talk more about him and all of this and your experiences with freeing the face coming up. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
these kinds of lab leaks happen all the time, uh, actually. Even here in the United States, we've had mishaps. And in China, the last six known outbreaks of SARS-1 have been out of labs, including the last known outbreak, which was a pretty um, extensive outbreak that China initially wouldn't disclose that it came out of lab. It was only for the, it was only disclosed finally by some journalists that were able to trace that outbreak back to a laboratory. So it's important to understand what the possibility is that this came out of a lab so we could focus more international attention on trying to get better uh, inventories around these labs, what they're doing, better security, make sure they're properly built. That was Dr. Scott Gottlieb, uh, former FDA administrator on CBS this weekend talking about the origins of the Wuhan virus, which now, since President Trump is no longer president, we are apparently uh, allowed to discuss, which is, is kind of cool that we're now allowed to discuss that. So we um, had just played Dr. Fauci in 2012 talking about this dual-use research uh, of concern, which is is basically gain of function. They use two different – it's the same term. They use them interchangeably, so it becomes confusing. But the Weekend Australian unearthed a paper from Fauci that he wrote for the American Society for Microbiology in October of 2012, and he argued in support of gain-of-function research. Now, gain-of-function, again, can explores how to make viruses more virulent – um, and explores how they could become more deadly if they spread. And there's a lot of what is here. It's kind of like, I look at it like Jurassic Park. Like, mm, I wonder how they could possibly be, what would happen if we brought them back to life and what could possibly go wrong? Let's find out. It's, I don't know. I can see use for some of this, this research, but I also can see problems. In his research, here's what he wrote. Excuse me, in his paper, here's what he wrote. In an unlikely but conceivable turn of events, what if that scientist becomes infected with the virus, which leads to an outbreak and ultimately triggers a pandemic? Many ask reasonable questions. Given the possibility of such a scenario, however remote, should the, in, should the initial experiments have been performed and or published in the first place? And what were the processes involved in this decision? Scientists working in this field might say, as I have indeed said, that the benefits of such experiments and the resulting knowledge outweigh the risks. It is much more likely that a pandemic would occur in nature, and the need to stay ahead of such a threat is a primary reason for performing an experiment that might appear to be risky. So he he poses this this hypothetical in 2012 of what would happen if like a researcher got sick and ultimately triggered the pandemic. Well, we're finding out that there were several Wuhan researchers who apparently got sick and they went to a hospital. There you go. There's his whole theory right there. The, we're now finding out that the wife of a Wuhan lab researcher who was working on the coronavirus has died of what appeared to be COVID-19 in December 2019. And this is according to David Asher, who was a State Department investigator under the Trump administration. He led in that investigation into COVID-19's origins until um, President Biden disbanded the investigation and got rid of it. And then recently, because now we're allowed to talk about it, they have now restarted this investigation to find out what happened. So it seems as if what Dr. Fauci posed in his paper is pretty much what happened. So curious to find out from you what it's like to be able to go places now in a lot of states opening up, not having to wear a mask. If, did you do that this weekend? As I said, my state of New Jersey on Friday opened up. We can free the face if we want to. Uh, it's also up to individual businesses if they want to allow you to free the face. It's on an honor system. 
but you are seeing more employers now requiring a COVID vaccine as they bring people back to work. Will you do that? Will you, will you get the vaccine in order to keep your job? Uh, how do you feel about having to show um, that you've been vaccinated in order to attend concerts and, and basketball games? You've got the Knicks saying that if they advance to the next level of the playoffs game that they will require fans to be vaccinated. They're only going to play for vaccinated fans because so many people are going back. Concerts, airlines may require it. Is that something you're willing to do? 866-408-7669. Let's head to Charlottesville, Virginia. Mike listening on WCHV. Mike, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mary. Uh, hey, first off, uh, it's always a pleasure to listen to you. Uh, I work for an airline there, and uh, my morning commute is great listening to you and Vince. So I, w- I wish we heard more of you than more more than more of you than Brian actually. Just uh, wanted Thank to you. touch base, and I, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of um, uh, catching your show. I didn't catch the beginning. Evidently, the talk is uh, employ employers uh, mandating the COVID. Uh, vaccine and being a flight attendant, it's concerning just for the fact uh, we were frontline during all of this, where the airline was telling us you're not allowed to wear a mask. In fact, if you wear a mask, we'll terminate you. That's where this all started. A lot mm-hmm. of us were flying international, um, in and out of customs, and uh, a lot of people had masks. In particular, TSA had masks, but we were never allowed. Now, if we don't have them, they terminate us, even when we're vaccinated. Uh, they're really hammering it down with this right now. And there's a lot of rumor out there saying if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to have a job. So that's that's where I wanted to pipe in. So so what's going to happen if that is the mandate? Will you get the vaccine? Well, that's that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to, of course, to keep the job. But what's really hard with it is there's there's no recourse on this. If 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 you get sick really bad or you die from this, your family can't sue for uh, reparations for for their negligence. It's not FDA approved, and it's 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 just uh, it's Fauciism because so much of this has been based on what this clown has said, and then now he's double backing on it, and it's it's just frustrating because it puts us in a bad spot. You know, now amongst the violence of customers. So I, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer. So, you know, they, you have to say yes because you have to have an income. But in the meantime, uh, you, you can't go in. You know, you want to keep yourself safe. You just don't want to go unemployed. Um, who pays the bills? Yeah. Sense. You know, first, may I just say I do not know how you do your job because I, I'm flying. I, I I hate I just take take a volume and sleep through the whole thing. I, I, I can't. It's it's unbelievable what you have to deal with. So God bless you for what you do, because I could never do it. And I know we need people to do what you do. But how you deal with the flying public is beyond me. So you deserve some kind of an award, because most of the people that I see on these planes, I I, I honestly, if I could push him out, I would, but <laughs> but I know I'm not allowed to. Uh, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it, Mike. And, and please be careful. Here's what he has to say. Okay. So I had a friend who said that he's in the same position as Mike. He's afraid that his employer is going to require the vaccine in order to go back to work. And I said, that's fine if that's what your employer does. But I wonder how many people are going to say, okay, I'll do it. But I want you to, as my employer, I want you to sign a paper that says that this is required for my 
in order for me to continue to have a job or I'm unemployed. Because if five years down the road or two years down the road or you get really sick from the vaccine or have some kind of horrible um, side effect from it, I'm holding you responsible because you forced me to do this in order to feed my family, that I'm doing this against my will, that this is being forced upon me. And I wonder how many employers would back down if that's what you did. I don't know. I got to tell you, I don't, I just don't think I would. Although I, I was really, really sick in March of 2020 and I had been on two planes and I had been in a, in a resort with a conference center with a bunch. And we were just at the time, just, you know, Purelling your hands. You were just doing that. There were no masks. There was none of that. I was sick for about three days, but at the time, if you could breathe, they were not testing you in the hospital. Remember there weren't enough tests or anything like that. My husband treats COVID patients. He's like, you know what? You probably could have had COVID (laughs) because I think you should operate under the assumption that you had it. And who knows, maybe it was just the flu, but I don't want to go get tested because I don't want the government to have like that they now know because all these COVID tests are reported to the state. I just don't want them having that information on me. And I know it's totally paranoid and weird. It may come down to it. I may have to go have the antibody test, but then they're going to know that I didn't have it if I, you know, and then maybe, I don't know, wind me up and force me to get the vaccine. I don't know. How do you feel? And I will not go into a business that says that I have to show papers in order to prove that I'm vaccinated. I won't do it. I'll walk away. And my husband's vaccinated. He'll walk away, too. Uh, Steve on WOKV in Florida. Steve, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, good morning, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, North Jersey, born and raised, now in Florida, courtesy of the military. (laughs) Ah, good for you. All right. my, My thing is about employees. First of all, you go to CDC website, you'll see that over 4,000 people have died from the vaccine. 3% of the people have been have side effects. Well, so my okay, question is, but- are, are employees, employers going to, you know, pay for it if you have a side effect that affects you? Well, uh, first... Yeah, and that's a great question, and I don't know that. I'm just going to say, and I'm sorry to cut you off up against the clock, but here's the thing. I don't know those numbers are true. I haven't looked those numbers up, so I, I don't, I can't, can't verify the numbers that Steve's saying there. But I participated in a um, drug trial once <clears throat> because they paid me, and and I, the drug at that point was already, you know, obviously been tested and retested. And this is what they do. And they get people to take the drug if you have this, the d- symptoms of whatever disease it is. So I took it. I had to write down every single side effect that I possibly could have. So if I had the flu and I was, I had a stomach flu and I was vomiting, I had to write down vomiting. And because that has to be included in the possible side effects, even though it wasn't from the drug, it was from, because I got the flu. So if you ever read the possible side effects of aspirin, you will never take aspirin. So just be very careful when you read the possible side effects of any kind of drug and just realize that everything that anybody who took it experienced, headache, fatigue, nausea, whatever, is all there. So, and I, I, you know, take all of that, what he had to say with a grain of salt, just because I don't know the statistics on it. So I don't want to want anybody to say that, you know, yeah, she said you could die from it's not what I'm saying at all. All right. So check it out for yourself and talk to your doctor. You got to make the decision that's best for you.
and your family as to whether to move forward and which vaccine you want to take. And if, or if you don't, that's a risk as well. All right. More of your calls coming up. 866-408-7669 is the number. Would you uh, get it if your employer you know, demands that you get vaccinated before you come back to work? Um, and how you feel? Where going without a mask? Is it weird? Were you anxious to do it? You know, want meaning you wanted to, or did you still wear the mask anyway? And how would you feel if you had to prove that you were vaccinated to attend a concert or get on an airplane or or attend a, a sporting event? You know, your call's coming up here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Okay, so we looked up the CDC and reports of death after COVID-19 vaccine, and it is this is from yesterday. So this actually is just a couple days ago that they updated this. And they say that during the vaccine reported deaths from the vaccine, 0.0017% among people who received a COVID-19 vaccine with no causal links. Uh, recent reports indicate a plausible causal relationship uh, between uh, J&J Janssen and a rare and serious adverse events, a low bl- blood clots with low platelets. But again, the no causal uh, link between um, the deaths and the vaccine. So there you go. Um, just want to get that out there because I said, oh, we should look this up and see what did they have to say. Let's talk to you. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. How do you feel about a private business asking you to prove that you've been vaccinated in order to come into their store or attend their concert or anything else like that? Would you be comfortable doing it non-masked and and, and not having the the vaccine? And what if your employer uh, says, "Yeah, you got to be vaccinated before you can come back to work," or "Don't come back to work"? I think a lot of people are going to be getting that memo. From the boss, from the corporate higher ups, that that's what they want because they don't want to be responsible for you getting COVID in their business and then suing them. And I understand. A Dean from New Jersey listening on WABC. Dean, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Well, I'm very happy to be on. I, you know, uh, how are you? I, I'm. Um, I own a, a cafe, a plant plant based cafe, and I own a gym. We're always outside. We're always exercising. And none of my people are going to get the vaccination shot. I have never even got a flu shot. I have never even got the flu. I've been taking care of myself for, geez, since I've been 20 years old and I'm 70 now. I'm doing exactly what I've been doing since I was in high school. I don't take vitamin pills. I don't take any kind of supplements. I use food and exercise to take care of myself. Very responsible. If someone comes to me and says, you have to get a vaccination shot, I'm going to tell them that they have to eat like I do. They have to do what I do each day. And then we'll talk after six months. I think it should be a personal, personal decision. Now, your employees who want to get a vaccine, I guess, could just go get it on their own and and you'll never know. But I I would assume you would have no problem with someone who says, yeah, you know, I do want to get the vaccine. It just makes me feel better for my family or I have an elderly parent and and so I don't want to expose them. And and they go and do it. You'd be okay with that, right? 
be fine with that. I would be fine if they wore masks. I would not be fine if they bring pizza and hot dogs and uh, McDonald's <laughs> to the restaurant. I would not be fine. Every single one of my employees, after being here a while, are they have a free membership to the gym, and all the gym people that work there have a free membership to the cafe. And every single one of them, without fail, we've been doing this for 20 years, without fail, change their lifestyle. Yeah. And they don't want to get the vaccine. And they're young kids. They're not like me. I hire young kids to do it. Then it attracts a lot of people. Yeah, well, so, that's – listen – I, I, I like the idea of, of freedom of choice and you do you. I say that all the time and I'm okay as long as you don't, you don't, you know, impose your choice on me and we'll get along just fine. So Dean sounds like you and I would get along just fine. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. And I can understand why if you own a, a health food cafe, you don't want your employees bringing pizza into the shop. Totally understand that. Susan in Tennessee, we have less than a minute. Hey, Susan, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Hi, just quickly want to mention Dr. Judy Mikovits as well as Dr. Tenpenny, drtenpenny.com said that this is not a vaccine. It's experimental. Has an MF time. Okay, well, you know, again, I, why, 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 why? I, I, you knew I wasn't going to allow you to say that. But uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> there's always one. It happens every time. Uh, yeah, so so just just watch. It's very interesting to see the progression here. Of going from, you know, we can't talk about the origins of the COVID virus to, oh, now that Trump's not president, we can talk about the origins of the COVID virus. And we're finding out that once again, and I get to say this so often to my never Trumper friends, huh, wait, you mean Trump was right? Wow, that's amazing. Trump was right. Maybe because, again, people don't like the way Donald Trump said things. And so they just threw the baby out with the bathwater because they didn't like the messenger. They just threw the message out. And that's a really, really bad way to do things. And it can sometimes affect your health. And we should get to the cause of this. And we should find out where the, where the virus came from and how it got here. And maybe now, hopefully, we'll start to do that. I'm Mary Walter sitting in on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter, as Frank just told you, they're sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. I like to call what we're going to do next year. I like to call this uncomfortable moments with the Bidens. (laughs) The Biden boys saying things that make the rest of us go, oh. Oh, all right. Kind of weird. Shall we start with the big guy? Let's start with Joe. Uh, Joe Biden was uh, in Arlington, Virginia. Now, he did spend the the vast majority of uh, the weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, in Delaware. And one of the things that happened is, you know, he um, he did not greet the Rolling to Remember motorcycle rally. And that was a big deal because President uh, Barack Obama, President Donald Trump each met with the organizers of the motorcycle rally. It happens every Memorial Day in May of 2020. The president, Donald Trump, 
hosted a rally at the White House for a small group of riders who represented the thousands of riders that typically show, but we had the pandemic going on, so they couldn't. And this year, they had a problem. It almost didn't happen because they usually rally at the Pentagon in the parking lot. There's a big parking lot at the Pentagon to rally all the motorcycle riders from all over the country. And uh, they they got their permit pulled. They, the Pentagon pulled the permit because, you know, COVID, which has become a convenient excuse for a lot of stuff. Have you noticed that lately? Sorry, COVID. You're like, okay, this is nothing to do with COVID because we're outside, but sure, COVID. And so they, they um, wound up rallying at another point and they, this Washington, D.C., the district worked with them, which was really great to say that this could come off. And um, they, but the Biden White House didn't meet with them, ex- ignored it. They didn't acknowledge this uh, riding, rolling to remember motorcycle rally at all and got no response when asked why they ignored it. They had no response for anybody. They ignored that as well. So um, that's that's sad that they ignored that. Uh, so here is... Here is Joe Biden in Arlington. Uh, He gave a talk also at Joint Base Langley in Hampton, Virginia. So here he is uh, giving his speech for Memorial Day. I'm especially honored to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I, uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what, look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her. Did anybody else hear the the needles just just like screech across the record? Little Brittany, I love the barrettes in her hair. She looks like a 19-year-old sitting like a little lady with her legs crossed. Wait, what? Joe, stick to the teleprompter. How did this happen? It was like everyone awkward moment awkward moment and this guy gets away with it again because he's a democrat not a republican um the girl in question according to reporters appeared to be about uh, in elementary school elementary school and she was with her parents and her two older brothers on the podium while her mother introduced the president um, you had, of course, everyone tweeting about it. That's pretty blanked up, according to Nathan Wurzel, who's a Republican consultant. And he said, I guess this explains the Lincoln Project support. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tom Bevan from Real Clear Politics tweeted, uh, what? <laughs> so John Gabriel says, a dude has issues. Johnny Jones, just, just one word, creep with like 16 E's, creep. Uh, Matt Vespa tweeted, <laughs> calling to catch a predator. You have Stephen Miller saying, this is going to be his last straw. We're not going to see Biden for the next two weeks. <laughs> it's true. They're going to say, oh, Joe, I'm sorry. You're going to be punished. And he's going to be like, no, not back under the stairs. You're not going to make me go back under the stairs. Uh, and uh, Joe Biden just, just, just can't help himself. What is it with him and his creepy, weird comments to women of all ages, especially the young ones? You know, he was um, when uh, you saw him 
in 2015 where he was standing behind Car- um, Ash Carter's wife, Stephanie, at his swearing-in ceremony, and he held her by her shoulders and occasionally whispered in her ear. Earlier that year, also in 2015, he was seen whispering in the ear of 13-year-old, uh, the 13-year-old daughter of Senator Chris Coons and then gave her on a head after he swore, uh, swore her dad in. Um, his campaign was almost ended in 2019 when a Nevada lawmaker, Lucy Flores, claimed that he grabbed her by the shoulders and kissed her hair during a campaign event in 2014. And do any of us believe that he didn't do that? No, he probably did. Probably did. And it's been a long time. Uh, here's a, here's a, a flashback from Joe Biden. And to get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Again, the needle right across the record. And if you're too young to know what we're talking about, you've probably heard the sound. It's a really disturbing sound. It's It's like a really screeching type of sound. I love kids jumping on my lap. Who is in the White House? How? And you know Kamala Harris's team is going to use that as a, like I see, 25th Amendment right there. The guy's inappropriate. He's losing it. I think, you know, they're going to use all these little sound bites in order to uh, kick Joe Biden out. That's just my own personal opinion what she's going to do. But um, listen, hey, like father, like son, just in a different way here. Here's Hunter Biden. Now, Hunter Biden, you know, in his book that he he put out, He said that in his book, Beautiful Things, that his arrest for cocaine possession when he was 18 years old had scared him straight until after he finished college. In the book, he says, quote, I ended up doing a pretrial intervention with six months of probation, after which the arrest was expunged from my record. I disclosed it voluntarily during a 2006 Senate committee hearing as part of my nomination to the Amtrak Board of Directors. Uh, He said it scared me straight for a while. I owned up to it and I didn't do coke again that summer or really more than a couple of times in college. He graduated with his from uh, Georgetown with a bachelor's in 1992. And the Daily Mail obtained a recorded call. Now, apparently the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop is is everywhere. And according to the Daily Mail, he apparently recorded several phone calls and saved them on his laptop. So in a January 2019 conversation, Hunter Biden bragged about something, doing something with a governor, I guess, yeah, the, I guess it's the mayor, excuse me, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Marion Barry. No, that's Marion Barry. Marion Barry. Marion Barry. He, I, you know what? I, I actually smoked crack with Marion Barry. I swear to f- Jesus. That was in Georgetown, and he used to go to a place right next to the guards, <clears throat> and I was a sophomore, I guess. There was a um, junior when that happened, but he used to come there and drink, like, late, late, and I would be in uh. there. And you go to the bathroom. So that's him talking with an unnamed friend. And that, that conversation on his laptop was dated January 5th, 2019. Well, he said that he got scared straight at the age of 18. Apparently not. 
said it scared him off drugs until after college. You heard him say that he used to come there and drink late, 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 and I would be there, and he would go to the bathroom. So, boy, is Hunter Biden the gift that just keeps on giving and still manages to stay out of jail, which is amazing to me. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's do a little flashback, though, since we did it with with the big guy. Let's do a flashback with his younger son, with his with the younger Biden. Here he is. Uh, this is the media now covering for Hunter Biden. Remember the laptop and everything we found on it. Just a little walk down memory lane for you. He talks about Hunter Biden's hard drive. Uh, he talks about. Conspiracy theories. The whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. Most of those charges unverified. Charges so heinous, I'm not even going to say them. They're like, <laughs> what are they talking about? I don't know. Some laptop. And he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking. He's of course, not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Yeah. Baseless conspiracy theories about Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Do you ever wish you'd had Apple Care? Yeah, that would have been a good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's so funny. Just making light there, Jimmy Kimmel. And all of it comes back. But because he's he's a member of the party, he's the protege of of the, the leader of the party. And he's been getting away with a lot of these things for a long time with his record keeps being expunged. Things don't show up. Remember, a Secret Service intervening with the gun in the dumpster. And we even know about that because he tweeted about it. Right. So, uh, yeah, Hunter Biden, I think we're just going to keep hearing more and more and more. And the media will continue to ignore it, but we will continue to bring it to you because, man, the Bidens are a very colorful family. And let's just leave it at that. More coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. (laughs) Everybody's laughing. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I want to switch gears here and talk about Naomi Osaka. She withdrew from the French Open yesterday. She was fined $15,000 for skipping her news conference and uh, was issued a warning from all four Grand Slam tournaments. And she posted a Twitter on statement. She apologized for her conduct, conduct and said it was best for her to step away for the time being. Here's what she said. She said, I never wanted to be a distraction, and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialize mental health or use the term lightly. The truth is, is that I have suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. Open in 2018, and I have had a really hard time coping with that. She's the number two tennis player in the world. And she had previously announced that she would not participate in media interviews. And when making that announcement, she cited her mental health and she said press conferences can create self-doubt. Now, of course, there was a lot of criticism for that with people saying, well, you know, you are, um, you're, you're the number two tennis player in the world. And part of this gig often with athletic events is the, they trot out the best players, you know, the ones on top and they come and they sit in front of the press and they answer questions. I don't remember a whole lot of contentious questions at a, after a tennis tournament, the press after a tennis tournament, it's not like they're asked, they're, they're talking to Trump. Uh, and they're, it's it's not like Jim Acosta consulting Donald Trump. It doesn't seem to be all that contentious. 
Um, she, her fine was issued after she won her first round match. And organizers from the four Grand Slam tournaments released a joint statement threatening uh, that she could be disqualified from events if she continues to ignore her media obligation. She said yesterday that she gets huge waves of anxiety having to speak to the press. And she said she made her announcement prematurely, but did so because she wanted to highlight that rules are quite outdated in parts. And she apologized to the press and the organizers of the French Open, saying, I'm going to take some time away from the court now. But when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour to discuss ways that we can make things better for players, press, and fans. Now, Piers Morgan was the loudest critic, and he's taken a lot of heat because Piers Morgan takes heat for everything that he does, which is kind of um, interesting. Um, he wrote a piece and in the Daily Mail, and here's what he said. I'll just read part of it to you. And I want to take your calls on this, 866-408-7669. She says she gets a lot of anxiety speaking to the press. Totally understand that. I think a lot of people would. It's part of her job. It is. And I have noticed... And I'm going to walk a fine line here. So let me see how I do. I personally think that mental health issues were never talked about. You know, when I was a kid, you never talked about mental health issues. And I never understood that because your head is attached to your body. If you have, you know, a problem with your arm and you have pain and you can't move your arm properly to function properly, you would go to the doctor and you would have that treated. Well, if you're having a problem with your brain and you're having problems, you know, maybe you can't um, process something properly, you would go to a doctor. Why wouldn't you go to that doctor and have that treated as well? But there was always a stigma attached to that. You know, you're crazy. All that, all that type of stuff was always attached to that. Now I think the pendulum's gone the other way. I think the pendulum's just gone the other way. And I, I say that because I do consume not a lot, but a good amount of reality shows. And I watch uh, my big fat, fabulous life. I watch my 600 pound life just because that makes me feel good about my choices. And uh, I watch 90 day fiance. Cause I do find it hilarious. And the real housewives of New Jersey. Uh, a teen mom is another one. So, oh God, I watch a lot I, more than I realize. <laughs> I do watch a lot of reality TV. Sorry, but it's really, it's free therapy. So I love it. But I will tell you the teen mom, the, my big fat, fabulous life. Um, the, um, oh, what's the other one? Well, anyway, but, but I find that most of them dealing with the young, with, with like a half generation behind me, everybody has anxiety especially the teen mom show. My goodness, they all have, I guess, clinically diagnosed anxiety. I don't know if it's clinically diagnosed, but they all talk about, I have anxiety. And and I do think some people get it to the point of needing medication, not doubting that at all. And I think you should have it treated and bully for you. I think it's great. But it seems to be like the default. If you are uncomfortable in any way, if a situation makes you uncomfortable in any way, you just write it off to, I have anxiety. So, and I think some famous people do use those types of things as a kind of get out of jail free card for their behavior. Again, not, not making generalizations. I'm just saying, I think some more famous people do that. If they've made a bad choice or they've said something that's wrong, they'll say, oh, well, it was because of my depression or it was because of my anxiety. But it's just weird that I just noticed a lot of young people, they all, they kind of, it's, I don't, it's almost like a badge of honor in a certain way because we have a, you know, we, everybody's a victim now. So if you're a good student or if you're successful, you've got to kind of offset that in some way. 
And I hear the anxiety card trotted out a lot. So I'm just curious if you want to comment 866-408-7669. And again, I hope I walked that line between the two because I do think there is absolutely um, mental health issues just like there's you know, health issues with the rest of your body. So why not? But I do think just like some people kind of exploit the whole disability thing in order to get off using physical ailments, I think some people exploit mental health in order to get out of uncomfortable situations. Uh, So here's what Piers Morgan wrote, and we'll go into this more uh, coming up, but I want to hear from you. Um, He said she's the highest paid female athlete in the world, raking in $55.2 million in the past year, $5.2 million from tennis winnings, and $50 million from endorsement deals with Nike, Beats by Dre, MasterCard, Nissan, and others. In fact, according to sports business data from Sportico, she's only trailing three active athletes in the annual money stakes, Roger Federer, LeBron James, and Tiger Wood. Tiger Woods. Now he goes on and says, unfortunately, Ms. Osaka is also an arrogant, spoiled brat whose fame and fortune appears to have inflated her ego to gigantic proportions. Now, I don't know if I would have gone this far with all of this, but he does. Uh, and I'll tell you more of what he had to say here. But um, so, so when you hear that she doesn't want to do that part of her job, Is that something that you say, okay, then don't do that part of your job? Or do you say, hey, it's part of your job? I'll get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade we're talking about naomi osaka and an instagram statement she put out and here's what she said she said i've often felt that people have no regard for athletes mental health and this rings true whenever i see a press conference or partake in one we often sat there and asked and We're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds. And I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room. And I know you have as well. I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down. And I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament. And a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young. So I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think that they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to be fired and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are the centerpiece of their cooperation, then I just got to laugh. And she has since now resigned from the, uh, the Grand Slam tournament, excuse me, from the French Open. And this is this has started a whole big thing. And Piers Morgan went after her and said, you know, she's exploiting mental health in order to do a part of the job she doesn't want to do because she doesn't want to hear criticism from the press. And as I've been saying, I, I think some people do um, abuse the excuse of either physical or mental health in order to get out of something, whether it's work or whatever it happens to be. But here's the thing. Since I do believe that physical ailments are legitimate and mental health ailments are legitimate, if she had a knee that she had injured or had a problem with a knee, she would go to the trainer and have it treated so she could play the game and she could do her job and be the best at it. Why not the same for her mental health? Why wouldn't she then have that treated as well? 
could she she wouldn't use a, a physical ailment of her knee in order to escape playing. So why would you use the excuse of mental health to escape doing the other part of the job, which is sit in front of the press, whether you like it or not, that's part of the job. So, you know, to me, she kind of takes away from the legitimacy of a mental health ailment by saying, well, I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to have it treated and I'm just not going to do that part of the job. Well, okay. Uh, so I, it, it kind of almost gives support to Piers Morgan where he's saying that she just doesn't want to have to answer uncomfortable questions uh, about her game. Apparently, she's not good on um, the clay, and this is a clay court, and she's not good. He, he, after the Instagram post, he reprinted that, and he said, I read this orgy of narcissistic twaddle several times with mounting fury. What she really means is she doesn't want to face the media if she hasn't played well, because the beastly journalist might actually dare to criticize her performance, and she's not going to subject herself to people that doubt me. And the problem with the French Open is that it takes place on clay, her statistically weakest service, so she probably won't win it. And when she loses, she'll be asked why she isn't as good on clay. In other words, she has no problem with the media lauding her undeniable brilliance with a tennis racket, right to the point they say anything negative, however reasonably and fact-based, because then they're damaging her mental health. And he goes on to say that this is straight out of the Meghan and Harry playbook. But he's getting a lot of blowback as well. And I'm curious how you see this. 866-408-7669. Because as I said, I've noticed just just in reality TV alone, and I, I realize that's just not reality, reality. But all of these people on these shows who are younger all have anxiety issues. Everybody's got anxiety. And I thought, how did, how did this happen? Because if it's true, we really have a problem. Let's go to Dan in Salt Lake City, Utah. Dan, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello. Hi, so what do you want to say? What do you think about this? Where she's saying it's because of my mental health, you know, because someone might, might doubt me and that bothers me. So, and she blames it on anxiety. You know, I think you're minimizing it tremendously because I'm a survivor of depression and anxiety. I had a severe depression at age 42 and uh, the slightest things could throw me into a panic attack. And it, you know, you say that it, if her knees bothering her she would work through it but uh, a, a panic attack is a very different thing i i remember sitting at my desk and hearing a conversation in a cubicle next to me and 15 minutes into it suddenly i felt like if i didn't get out of that room i was going to die mm-hmm. i'm sure you know she understands that her knee is not going to kill her but a panic attack is something that is very irrational and you can you can look at it and examine it after the fact and realize realize that. But when you're actually experiencing it, it's the most terrifying thing you've ever experienced, mm-hmm. as is depression. And, um, you know, I was not under a microscope. I work for a mid mid-sized company and all I had to deal with was suspicions and and comments made by coworkers that were extremely injurious to me. I was so ashamed I couldn't say anything about it. I was terrified that they were going to find out and say I was crazy. But, you know, after I came out of it, I realized how wrong it all was, and I became very outspoken about mental health, and I've had a lot of people come up to me and talk to me since because they feel the same way when they're going through these episodes. It and, you know, if she truly is suffering from mental health, it's a, it's a real disservice that people who have never experienced it do not understand what they're talking about. 
Um, you say, you know, if she's got problems with mental health, then she should be going to a doctor and getting treated. I was under treatment, but that didn't change me from having every day feel like it could be the last day of my life. I wanted it to be the last day of my life. I was miserable. I would think about suicide randomly multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. It's something that you cannot control. And I know people right. with treatment-resistant uh, depression. My mother's cousin had it for 20 years, and she married her doctor. She had the best care she could possibly get. But ultimately, she did end up taking her own life. It's yeah. something and, that... And, and that I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to interrupt you just, just to say, and I'm very sorry for everything that you suffered, obviously. Um, but to say that I'm taking it too lately, I'm sorry, but I, I disagree with that. And that's fine. That's your interpretation of it. And that's fine. You can, you can feel that way. Um, but if it is part of her job in order to do this, I, I, then I have to question, well, then do, is it, is it incumbent upon the, the grand slam and the other tournaments in the French open here to then say, well, then nobody has to do press. Because it's not fair then to make one person have to do it, one competitor do it, and another not do it. Because they're all going to get criticized. And because she can't handle that criticism, uh, because that affects her mental health, then it's not fair to the other competitors then to have to sit and listen. If they've had a bad day and a bad play, you know, bad day of playing, then why should they have to say, well, well, then I'm not going to sit and listen, sit through people criticizing my and asking me questions about my play either. And maybe that's the way that this has to be handled, in which case then, all right, nobody sits in front of the press. That's it. We, we get rid of that job requirement for everybody then at that point. And maybe that's the answer. Again, I, I don't. I don't know. I've. I don't know this woman. I don't know if she previously has talked about not being able to do this, and if she can't talk to the press, then you know she shouldn't. Also, maybe she also they should say, okay, you don't have to talk to the press, but you also don't talk to the press after you've had a good game either. I, I do because I don't think it's fair to other players who would have to sit in front of the press and have their game criticized or have to answer questions if everybody doesn't have to. And if, and if, she, you know, and then maybe you just say to her, well, you only don't, don't get to just do the good stuff. You have to do the bad stuff too, or none of it. Maybe that's the answer. And thank you for sharing your story, Shepard. I think it's important. As I've said all along through this, I think having this conversation is a hard conversation to handle, to have, excuse me, but I don't think it's had often enough. I really don't. And I do think some people, you know, will use physical ailments. How many times have you didn't want to go to a dinner party or go see friends or something like that or just not leave the house and you call up and say somebody's sick? Oh, I can't. The kids have got a virus. The kids have got a stomach flu or so-and-so's cranky or, you know, hubby doesn't feel well. We do it, right? So I would hate to think that someone that if that's happening here, as has kind of been alluded to by Piers Morgan then that's wrong too. 866-408-7669. Um, but I do see, and maybe more people are getting diagnosed, which is why you see more people claiming to have anxiety because more people are being diagnosed and not afraid to go to the doctor. Whereas generations past, they wouldn't. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they're being diagnosed. I don't think it's a good thing that a lot of people are suffering from, from like legitimate anxiety. Other, you know, not like, oh, I really don't want to do this. You know, I'm afraid to do this. I don't like to speak in front of groups, that type of thing. Uh, but real diagnosable anxiety. All right, more of your calls coming up on this. Just a second here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, Naomi Osaka has uh, quit the French Open. She's pulled out because she doesn't want to do media. She doesn't want to talk to the media afterwards. And uh, she said it's because she has anxiety. And um, so they were fining her because if you don't do, that's part of the deal. If you want to play in the French Open, you got it. You have to do the uh, media. And she didn't want to do that, so so they find her, and so she just dropped out of it. And here's here's what Rafael Nadal uh, had to say. He said, without the press, without the people who normally travel, who are writing the news and achievements that we are having around the world, probably we will not be the athletes that we are today. We aren't going to have the recognition that we have around the world, and we will not be that popular. No. Billie Jean King said... I have always believed that as professional athletes, we have a responsibility to make ourselves available to the media. In our day without the press, nobody would have known who we are or what we thought. They helped build and grow our sport into what it is today. And the coverage of Naomi Osaka has been, for the most part, very laudatory, very congratulatory. Um, She's a phenom. She truly is. And it has helped make her a superstar, fabulously rich the most, the wealthiest female athlete in the world. I think, I mean, excuse me, second, second wealthiest. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, number two female tennis player in the world. And she is only behind um, three other men. She's, um, as far as money, highest paid, at, highest paid female athlete in the world, 55.2 million in the past year. Without media, she would not be there. And it helps, obviously, these these um, tournaments to also gain in um, prestige so that they can play it, so they get the press, so that they can pl- pay these athletes all this money. Uh, Matt's, uh, Matt's Willett Volander, the number one, told, former world number one, told Eurosport, why should she be treated differently than it, to the other players? She definitely has to do press. We're all struggling with mental issues these days during the pandemic. But Naomi, I think you need to reconsider, or as I would say, don't play in the tournament until you're ready to face the job. Ash Barty, a top-ranked woman player, suggested Osaka take herself a little less seriously, saying, press is part of the job. We know that what we sign up for as professional tennis players. At times, press conferences are hard, of course, but it's not something that bothers me. For, for me, personally, it doesn't keep me up at night what I say and hear or what you guys ask me, so I try to make it a little bit lighter and have a little bit of fun with you guys. Um, and maybe she can't do that, but maybe that's something she can learn to do through therapy, through some kind of guidance, she can learn to do that. So she wound up withdrawing. And I think that's okay because I think the rules should be the same for everybody. If they're going to find her, then they should find other players if they choose not to do it as well. Or don't make press part of it and then don't pay them as much. You can do that. 866-408-7669. In Houston, Patricia, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Yeah, good morning, Janice. Oh, thank you very much. I was really listening to what you were just talking about, and that was good advice. Because, you know, you got to get into the solutions here rather than these problems. And the problem with the younger generation, if I may say, and I worked with 12-steppers. I don't know if you know anything about mm-hmm. the 12-step group. Sure. But for over 30 years, and I worked with a lot of celebrities, a lot of big people, a lot of people, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, there's this thing now, and I see it really prevalent in our culture, and it's terminally unique. 
My problems are terminally unique, and it's all about me, me, me. And I don't know where they've been taught this. And this other thing I have a problem with is keep your mouth shut. We're taught in the 12-step program. Keep your mouth shut at the level of the press. Regarding, not your work, there's some very huge people who have had major mental health problems, and they keep their mouths shut. They have very successful careers. They don't go banging at institutions. They don't slander their family. They don't discuss their personal problems. They're taught. This is a tradition, 12 steps, 12 traditions. This should be taught at every high school, probably even in middle school, too. These people should be taught principles before personalities. We have a whole generation that has no principles. They're being run. Uh, I, and I don't blame her, uh, Saka. And uh, I've been watching tennis lately. And this fellow that just called up, it, I'm very sad for his family. Because it seems like a lot of people get into therapy and they focus on problems. They stay in the problems their whole life. And they never are able to find, they don't, they don't get to the right people. I guess they don't get to the right places or they don't get, it's not their time. So I have sympathy. I have sympathy for these people. But these principles, these solutions should be taught. Why aren't they taught in schools? Why aren't our kids being given the gift of this kind of knowledge? You know, I used to have panic attacks. I was taught to stand there and just sit through it, and I'll be fine. I remember speaking at a meeting in Malibu, and there was a, a recent major mm-hmm. Oscar winner, boring holes in at me. And I had never spoken before a group before, and I burst out crying. And there was like a couple hundred people staring at me. Well, I stood there because I was told I was going to be okay. I had somebody backing right. me up. I had a good, good I had good people yes. backing me up, get, telling me the solutions rather than saying, well, yeah, yeah. you're never going to make it, kid, because well, you better just, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And Patricia, I don't mean to cut you cut you off. A lot of people want to get on here, but I think thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think we do need to look at solutions. But on the other hand, I, I know how people, you know, you, you say you should not take it out there and you got to keep things private. I think if you're maybe a little bit more um, famous, you, you, you have to deal with it in a certain way as opposed to, you know, just the rest of us average Joes. But I like that people are talking about mental health issues freely because it was so taboo for so long. I th- I think that that, you know, it's okay that it comes out of the darkness and it comes out of the closet because so many people do deal with it and you never realize it. And I'm okay. Listen, I have friends who don't talk about cancer diagnosis and, that, and that's their choice. Uh, but I maybe there's an, an even keel. Maybe there's a, a happy medium in there between uh, talking about it and making it your entire life and wearing it as, as a badge in that way. So I think maybe there's a, there's a, a happy medium in there. Let's go to Juanita in North Carolina. Hi, Juanita. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. I think there is a real problem with young people today. Um, there's so much emphasis on self-esteem, and competition is bad, and there are no winners and losers So children don't learn that it's okay to compete and that sometimes people, other people are going to do better than you do, and sometimes you're going to do better than someone else. Mm -hmm. And the world doesn't stop if you fail or you're not the winner, that this, we don't 
teach children how to win and how to lose. Yeah. You you know, you, you to a certain extent, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I hate to sound like the grandma on the porch, you know, going, kids, I'm keeping the ball if it comes in my yard. Um, but, you know, there's a lot, a lot of negatives to never losing, you know. But I wish she, I hope she gets the help she needs. I really do. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.